Our second Bible reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the children. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go on and worship him. After they had heard the king, They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They return to their country by another route. Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas to you. My name is Prash. It's great to have you at St. Stephen's this morning. I hope uh, it's nine o'clock. I hope. For your sake, your household hasn't been up for many, many hours. Uh, Ours actually has done all right. We can probably number them on one hand, so that's good. Uh, It's an exciting morning, Christmas morning. Uh, For many people, it's a chance to see family. It's a chance uh, perhaps to pause after a really big year and to reflect and hopefully in some level to give thanks. Uh, I actually had a week off last week. I went to the movies by myself, which is not such a bad thing because I went to a movie which is, was filled with teenage girls, so I felt slightly weird. Um, <laughs> I had choices when I went to the movies. One of them was the new Willy Wonka uh, movie. I thought, no, I'm, I'm a fan of the old one. Like, I, love, I like the OG, and so I really couldn't commit to the new version. The old Willy Wonka, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory film, of course, is filled with uh, about 25 to 30 minutes focused solely on the great search for the golden ticket. You remember this part of the story uh, where they trace all these kids? And of course, I might ruin the story for you, but that's okay because there's actually more to the the movie than this. Charlie is the last person to find the golden ticket. Uh, He really wants because this ticket gives him entry into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Now... I think it's a genius move in the original movie because everyone loves a search. This is, this is a key driving narrative story. Everyone loves to find something. 
We're all on the search for something, whether it's Liam Nielsen searching for his daughter kidnapped by some kind of Eastern European crime syndicate, or it's Charlie, Charlie searching for a golden ticket. We're all looking for something. Well, I know how much you like a search, so I have stitched up a search for you this morning too. Uh, now, this is not limited just for the kids. Those adults out there, I know most of you would like to find the golden ticket. But before you do, you need to know what you're going to win because the prize is extraordinary. It's a twofold prize, in fact. First of all, I've managed to find something which is rarely found at this time of the year, and uh, it's a gift to you. It's, uh, of course, a box of lint chocolate. <laughs> in, at, on the 1st of December, you think these things are great. By the time of the 25th, you think they're terrible. It's almost like eating Brussels sprouts. Uh, <laughs> It, this, is, this is for the winner of the golden ticket. But also, in light of the fact that uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is a great search for the tour, I've got a tour for you. If you, if you, win, if you win the search, if you have the golden ticket, then I'm going to get to send, take you on a tour through, wait for it, our old tennis club pavilion. <laughs> there it is. That's right. If you've ever parked on this site... We actually own that thing. And if you've never been in it, and you have the golden ticket, you get, for, get to go on a tour of it. You, you may well have to robe up in something that will make you immune to asbestos. I can't uh, confirm nor deny the safety of the building. But nonetheless, the ticket allows you entry. Now, the ticket, just for the sake of OHS, is under one of your pews this, uh, this morning, okay? So you don't have to go running, but kids, I guess, and adults, uh, Matt Chase, I'm looking at you, uh, feel free to have a look in the empty pews. I'm not sure if someone's sitting in this pew. So have a look. It's under your pew. Who has won the golden ticket? Matt Chase is up. <laughs> Love it. Who's got it? Does anyone have it? I think it's in that area. <laughs> I think, Ed, it might be in front of you. <laughs> it's like Charlie Chuck Factory. Will they ever find the ticket? Oh, goodness me. It was there this morning. This may be the second Christmas miracle. I like how committed some people are to finding this ticket. No, it's definitely on this side of the, of the colon. I went for like the highest... <laughs> I love it. It's somewhere in there. How do we go? Any luck? Oh. I'm pretty sure it was there. It's stuck under the seat. It's stuck under the seat. If you didn't understand that, it is stuck under the seat. Oh, dear. Well, I guess this box of lit chocolates is all mine. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, we have it. Oh, a winner. Okay. Well done. Fantastic. I knew it was there. 
You can come and claim your blocks of chocolates afterwards, and of course your tour, uh, you'll have to make a booking in the new year. <laughs> I've got to be somewhere. <laughs> Welcome. Well, searches. Why am I talking about a great search? Because actually, um, this, the events of Christmas are a story of a search. We saw three kind of ridiculous people, actually four ridiculous people in our irreverent version of the Christmas events of the video, on, on a journey. But actually, what we come to realise in the story, which we've just read from Matthew's Gospel, one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, is that actually people are on a search. This is the language that we constantly use. Uh, this is, the, this is the, uh, the story depicted in most of the, the great Renaissance artists, described as the adoration of the Magi, the three, three wise men, the three, uh, three kind of um, outsiders in search of the Messiah. And they come here to the manger and they meet Jesus, of course. But they are on a search. And there's actually two people on the search in this story. So Matthew, who's telling the story in the event, says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? The first group of people on searching are the Magi. And Matthew is at, point, at pains here to identify them as people who are outside of the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. They're not the people who you would have expected to come looking for the Messiah. They come from a long way away. This is, this, is, this is very important little detail for Matthew because what he's saying is that actually people from all over the world are searching for this, this person, this individual. But of course, it's not just Matthew who's coming in search. It is King Herod. He's titled the King of the Jews. Although you sense that even the Magi know that he's not the real king of the Jews. He's kind of an in-between version. He's not fake, but he's not, the, he's not the authentic one. He's not the one they're really looking for because they meet him unsatisfied by meeting him in his great royal court. They keep looking. He also has a sense that this person is not him, of course. And so he is in search. And, and so we come, we come to the end of the story and thankfully we realise, especially if you've kept reading the events of Matthew beyond these events, these moments that were read this morning, that the Magi are the ones who meet and find Jesus. And Herod does not. The Magi, the unlikely ones, are the ones who find Jesus. They go in search and they find the baby. Herod, on the other hand, goes in search and does not. And I think we like this idea of religion, actually. What we see here is outsiders earnestly searching and finding God's promised one. We like that vision of it. Perhaps because you feel like an outsider. Perhaps because th this might be the first time you've ever been in this building or in any other church building. And so I guess this story opens the door to you that you might go in search of God and find him. Perhaps that's why we like the story. Perhaps we like the story because actually the insider, the one in power, is not the one who finds God. Perhaps 
you've had a reticence with religion and even with Christianity because it's always seemed like it's the power base. But this story tells you that actually it's not necessarily the most powerful person in the in-tribe who finds God. So we kind of, we really do enjoy this story of searching. We enjoy it because not only the underdog wins, so to speak, but they are the one controlling the search. They are the one constantly looking earnestly, travelling many, many, many miles over many days and months to find God. Perhaps that's why you like it. And in some senses, that's true about this story. But let me ask you another question. Who is actually looking for who in this story? Who is looking for who? It sounds like the Magi are the ones in search. But actually, there's more of a nuance. There's, there's, a, there's a subtlety to what Matthew is telling us here. And it's this. Actually, it's not the Magi who are searching for God, but God who has gone searching for them. There's these two little moments. It's a very historical event, what's being described here. Matthew's at pains to to introduce all these historical characters. Luke's Gospel puts even more detail to this, to establish it firmly within a historical timeline. These are events in ordinary human history being unfolded. But here, as the writers, as the eyewitness writers of these events retell them, they include these very key details which tell us this is more than just a historical event two and a half, two thousand years ago. So Matthew says about the events, says, after they'd heard the king, that's after they'd met with Herod, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place. What's being described here is not what you'd normally expect. Some people say, oh, this must have been like a comet. I was very young when Halley's Comet went past, but I do remember it. It moved across the sky. But the thing was, it, it kept moving. It didn't stop. What's being described here by Matthew is not just an ordinary kind of natural occurrence. This is something supernatural here. And of course, at the end of the account, after they meet the baby in the manger, we're told that, that having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Another kind of unusual, maybe even supernatural event is taking place in these, this story. Because Matthew's point here is that actually it is, it is God who's directing events. He is the great director of this search. He is the one who sends the star, then moves the star, and so directs the Magi from the east to the manger. From the east to the manger. And herein in this story is a very, very profound truth, a very profound truth of the Bible's message, that the only way you find God is if God comes looking for you. The only way you come find God is if God comes looking for you. I, uh, I was once told a story of a, a young kid who went out into his backyard, climbed up a big tree, put his headphones on. And after about half an hour, his parents realised he'd gone missing. They, were, uh, they went outside, they called out. 
No answer. They started to get a bit panicky, looking everywhere. Went down the street, asked the neighbours. Eventually called the police, screaming his name. After about an hour, hour and a half of this, this chaos unfurling, the child took his headphones off and got down from the tree. <laughs> See, unless God comes down, you cannot meet him. Unless God comes down, you cannot meet him. As much as we like the story where we are directing the search, we're putting all the pieces together and, and, and in our earnestness are in search of God, seeking to please him, and draw him close to us, in, despite that story being so appealing to us in many ways, the more challenging story of the Bible and of the birth of Jesus is you can't find God unless he comes down to you. You can't find God unless he comes down to you. But of course, the story of Christmas is that is exactly what God has done. He's done exactly what you need. He's taken his headphones off, so to speak. He's come down. And you do not need to run around in a mad panic. Now, the question is, how do you respond to this? How do you respond to this? And this is what I love about this story. You see, the star appears and the, the magi are not passive in this. They are not passive in this. They follow the star to its end point. And each of us, each of us has the opportunity right now to follow the star to its end point. Each of us is given that opportunity. It may be that you come to church every Christmas and maybe even Easter because that's just the thing you've been doing. It may be that you've spent decades in search of God and you've never found him. But perhaps this morning is your great star moment. Your star moment. Where God has come in search of you, actually. So go, follow the star, so to speak. But of course the question is, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Something very interesting about the events of, uh, of, of Jesus' birth and the wise men. Here's what Matthew says. On coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. What's interesting about that? Just reflect on what Matthew's saying happened. These three wise men have travelled many months. They've brought their treasures. These things are very expensive, very valuable gifts. They've gone into the, the courthouse of Herod, the king of Judea. They've seen his opulence. They've left it. They've kept going. And they come to a peasant girl and her child. And they decide, now is the time to hand over my gifts. Now is the time to hand over my gifts. This is like going to some town in, I don't know, Western Sydney and meeting a 
15-year-old girl who's got a six-month-old child on, their hip, on her hip and saying, take my Rolls Royce. Not that I have a Rolls Royce, by the way. It seems so discontinuous, doesn't it? But there's something in that because I think when the wise men come to that manger and look at that child, something of the glory of God is perceptible to them. And if you ask anyone who knows Jesus Christ, they can tell you this. When you meet Jesus, it is the most profound experience. Because as Pippi said, all of, the, all of the scriptures reveal to us, this is not just another king, but it is God himself. God himself. And as much as he is veiled in humanity, his glory will shine in your heart when you meet Jesus. There is nothing and no one more special than meeting Jesus. You can meet him in a baby and know he's God. He will warm your heart in the most extraordinary way. And when you meet him in the baby and you see God, your heart will only swell even further when you meet him on the cross and see that he has died for you, given his life for you. Filled your heart with his divine love. My friends, I'm really glad you're at church this morning, Christmas Day. And my, my hope and prayer for each person is that they'd meet Jesus. Let me pray. And then I know that the, uh, the choir is going to lead us in another carol. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the wonder, not just of the wise men and the shepherds, and that night in Bethlehem, but of the birth of the Lord Jesus, of the wonder that you have come down to meet us, and that all of our searching finds its answers in Jesus Christ. Would you fill our hearts with the wonder of meeting your Son? In his name we pray. Amen.